Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed host for years after years is here today, and between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. So we're always looking for any kind of critical edge, any kind of nuggets, uh, tips, tools that will help you either as a leader be better or how you can pass these on to your your team. And today we're going to talk with uh, William Vanderblumen, and he's got an interesting focus we're going to talk about be the unicorn and 12 data-driven habits that separate the best leaders from the rest. So that's the focus that Kathy and I have been focusing on. How do you get in the top 10%? You know, for over the years, we've been talking about, you know, emotional intelligence and some of these key habits. And a lot of the research showing that those are the things that allow someone to be in the top 10%. But we'll really tap into uh, William and um, get some feedback from him of other things that people can can do to help them be in the top 10%. And before we do that, uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, welcome to the show. Hey, Riley. Thank you. Yeah, you know, before we came on, audience, uh, we were giggling because you never know where I am in the world. And <laughs> we are still living True. on our boat post post uh, uh Ian here in Sanibel. And, you know, you know, thinking of how we're introducing uh, William uh, Vanderblumen, you know, I remember my own amazing experience with a very large search firm uh, when I found my way to a little company uh, some time ago called Accenture and how I wish I could, in fact, have more people uh, who are in this business understand that even though, you know, we're professional executive coaches, uh, I would love to be working more in the corporate world and learn more about what's going on uh, right now in the search world. So I'm really excited uh, to hear from William today. But, you know, I think one of the things that struck me about uh, his resume when we were looking for guests was his service. Uh, as a pastor, and also, um, you know, his uh, corporate practices in terms of uh, where he came from and how he looks at bringing people into roles that you and I both know right now, really, are under a lot of stress and strain in an environment that's seeking psychological safety and how the emotional intelligence habits that all of us uh, are learning uh, in our evolution as human beings every day as we interact with others is so essential to success uh, in any environment and in, in any uh, context for work as we know it, whether it's remote or hybrid or back in the office. So I'm really psyched today uh, to hear from William. Yes, well, let's do a little intro for uh, William, and we'll bring him on. Uh, you know, I, you talked about the search, uh, and, and William and his organization 
is a search group and for the last 15 years where they regularly uh, retain, are retained to identify the best talent in teams, manage success in planning, and consult on all issues regarding teams. Um, this year, uh, William and his team will complete their 3,000th, uh, I think you say that right, 3,000th executive search. Prior to founding uh, Van Bloom Search Group, William studied executive search under a mentor with 25 years of executive search at the highest level. And this learning taught him to be uh, what's the very best in corporate practices, including search strategies used by internationally known the, the Russell Reynolds uh, firm. And prior to that, you mentioned this cat, William served as a senior pastor at one of the largest Presbyterian churches in the United States. And so the search piece I'm also very interested in because, Kat, we, we work with them once they're in, and William works to get them in. So we're, we are, it's kind of a nice handoff. And so with that, uh, William, welcome to the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. So, William, one of the things that we have done for going on 17 years, <laughs> I've been with Rally for 17 years. I keep saying that because <laughs> it's, it's the longest time. relationship with a man <laughs> I've ever had. William, don't take that to heart. I'm just saying out loud that that's how I feel. <laughs> anyway, we always kick off the show with um, who has influenced you in your life. And, uh, you know, I'm all ears because you have such a great background and, you, you know, you're doing such wonderful work. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some crossroads here for others listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... So many people influenced my life. I'd say, you know, number one would be my wife. Uh, mm. She she is the, the unicorn. I dedicated the book to her because she is the one that is like stands out in the crowd. Just questionable taste in men. But other than that, she's all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then past that, I, you know, this is going to sound bad, but but I, there are a lot of people that influence me. I want to learn from everyone around me. The people that are really trying to take lessons from are probably all dead right now. Um, hmm. You know, I, when I read books, it's usually biography or history, and I tend to like to read biographies of people who've been gone long enough, or enough time has passed that what's written about them has a. a, a you know, uh, an authenticity to it. Um, so, yeah, a lot of learning from great leaders in history. And then in the here and now, try to learn from everybody I'm, I'm around. And the single biggest influence would be Adrian. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I think that's and, the first time you know, that I've ever heard somebody say my, you know, my spouse, my wife, my significant other. <laughs> Rally, do you, hey, don't Kat, you think that's you, Well, I was about ready to say the exact same thing. This is how much we're on the same level. I was like, oh, right. After the 17 years, it's always a parent or a mentor or someone else. I don't think everybody, anybody has ever said their spouse. Uh, so it's, well, that's, that's because surprising, but it's all, hey, There you Aww. go. It's also kind of... It's also kind of sad that I think we take our spouses, uh, significant other partners, for granted. 
So it's really great to hear that. Um, so with that, William, one of the things, you know, kind of looking at your website, you got, you've written a bunch of different books on pastoral succession, uh, cultural wins, and this idea of being uh, indispensable, I think is something that, that you zero in on. Um, how does someone make themselves indispensable? Yeah, I, I don't think it's that hard. Um, you know, okay. the book that we did that we're releasing now is, is the result of, frankly, a very self-serving uh, research project. We wanted to learn how to spot the best, the indispensable, the ones that stand out in the crowd. And, and we, it, we did the study during the pandemic when we were pretty well shut down anyway. It was the first time we've grown every single year. This was the first time we had a chance to drop back and say, well, what can we learn from what we've done? And we said, well, if we could figure out how to spot the indispensable quicker, we'd be a better search firm. We, we studied 30,000 of the very best interviews we've ever done, and we kept a lot of data on how those went, where their careers went after that, and so forth and so forth. The short version of the study is a little, little bit of a downer for a Monday but I think what I'm realizing is most people are not very reliable. And if you want to be indispensable, just be really reliable. <laughs> you will stand out of the crowd. And, and we saw that manifest itself uh, in a lot of different ways. We can go over some of that. I'm sure we'll get there in the show. But reliability and the ability to relate mm-hmm. very intentionally with other humans were the two things that, that sort of set this whole group apart mm-hmm. from everybody else. Now, I want to jump in here real quick on that, because that is a powerful comment, and let me tell you why. You know, reliability comes from trust, and it also comes from accountability. And there's a real discussion going on right now in a large community where I am serving, but I'm sure it's going on in other communities. And, William, that is the idea of accountability. In the world of law enforcement, where I'm dedicating myself these days, people are getting rid of them if they do one thing wrong because of the pressure from the public and because they were cameras. And I want to just talk about the accountability component of it, because in corporate America, we don't wear cameras, and we have to wait for the account of someone else's memory experience Hmm. on that person's, uh, if if you will, delivery on their promise. And what I think is Mm -hmm. fascinating is, at least in law enforcement, what we're doing, and I'd love your insight on this in terms of corporate America, is we are not allowing them to account for what they did in terms of the, if you will, the psychological experience, the behavioral experience, the emotional experience that they had in the moment which as we all know is a human experience, but we think that people are superhuman and they're not impacted by these things in a role in which they've already defined their behavior. And so this whole right. idea of accountability is really powerful. And I'm not sure if we're taking advantage of everybody's insight into their own accountability because we're getting rid of people and turning them over so quickly that nobody's able to account 
for why they did what they did. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Makes total sense. <laughs> and and I, I don't know that people, until they've been through the mill, I don't know that people understand the power of having that accountability. You, you mm-hmm. might see this micromanagement rather than helpful. Yeah, yeah. And and so well, I, uh, on that on that point, William, one of the things that I think is also important, you know, and, and I'm glad you said that. And Kat, you talked about that the accountability and the and the reliability. It really is that trust. And if you can't trust that someone's going to deliver, a big part of the other people's brains are trying to fill in the gap. Am I going to get what I want? Should I remind them? Should I uh, follow up? And we have way too much stuff already in our brain to take on the task of somebody else because they're not, uh, you're not sure you're going to get what you want. So it kind of goes down to that predictability. Yeah. Yeah. So with, and and I don't know that, I don't know that people have men particularly not to sound, you know, gender, Specific, but I think we're pretty horrible at inviting other men into our lives to say, "Hey, let me tell you the things that are hard for me, and you hold me accountable." I, I I've told people for mm. for years, every guy ought to have, I call them, two a.m. friends. They ought to have five of them. And what does that mean? That means. No matter what you did or where you are locked up, you can call these five people at two in the morning and they will come find you and get you mm. and <laughs> help you through whatever bad thing happened. Uh, and and it, it, when you say it that way, it, people are like, ooh, I don't know if I have that. So I, yeah, it's a little right. bit of a tangent to the conversation, but super fascinating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the uh, next thought we have or question is this idea of a unicorn. So uh, what inspired this mission to figure out what makes top talent or, or the unicorns. And then how do you even kind of use the uh, term unicorn because, you know, be the unicorn, 12 data driven habits. Is that, the, is that the title of your new book that you're referring to? And then maybe kind of talk about that's how right. you got the unicorn. That's right. No, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, what, what, I've always had a question in my mind, like, I don't know, you guys ever, meet somebody and within five minutes you're just like this one is different this one's special this one is uh mm-hmm. man they just stand out and maybe it's a job interview yeah. maybe it's at a social function maybe it's you know some event but uh every now and then you meet somebody you go this one is worth remembering during the pandemic we said how yeah. we've all met these people how do we figure out how to spot them quicker and and on the flip side uh, how to not miss them if you don't have this moment of, oh, wow. What, what are some things you could look for to say, these are the markers of the people who constantly excel mm. and prove themselves to be irreplaceable in the top 1% of everything they do. And now that we've done 30,000 interviews, instead of just writing wow. a book that says, well, in my opinion, these are the 12 habits that it's not opinion. This is driven by data. And it, it probably mm. sounds really simple when you read it, but so many times in my life, simplicity is actually only achieved by being on the far side of complexity. <laughs> so the simplicity of the book <laughs> is on that. the far side of a whole lot of research. 
Well, we're going to take a quick break, William, because um, we have a couple commercials. But we're going to be right back. And I want to come back to this unicorn idea because it's powerful. And being unique sometimes is also difficult for people to place you. And we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. the boardroom to you voice america business network icy tech like the hard-working men and women that get up every day and do their job the ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right it's not just an effort it's not just know-how it's a way of life icy tech has been with you since 1998 with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. To leadership development news, profiles and practice of top performers. We're talking with William Vanderblumen. He has a uh, website, and I may have to uh, spell this for you, that you can go to <laughs> and, and get a hold of his uh, book for that. And it's uh, Vanderblumen, V A N D E R B L O E M E N. Uh, Vanderblumen. And so your book is coming out, and maybe tell us 
uh, when it's going to come out, but from 15 years of research, you brought this together about what's the most uh, important 12 traits that may underline being a unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for trying to spell the name. Uh, the reality is okay. the only reason we named the company after my last name is it's so messed up. People can misspell it into Google about a hundred different ways and it'll, it'll figure it out. So just have at it in Google, however you want, and it'll work. Um, That's great. You know, I, I get this, you know, we set out to do all this research just so it wouldn't be like, like so many times the reason you go to an expert is to prove what your gut's already been telling you might be true. I mean, I talk to people who, who go to counseling all the time who are like, I went to make sure I wasn't crazy. <laughs> you know, and you, you go, okay, I'm, this isn't crazy. And after watching top performers for 15 years, it's like, man, this is not hard. If you really want to stand out of the crowd, it's that whole be reliable thing we were talking about. It's, it's relate well to one another. But let's do research and figure out what are the clear markers, the clear habits that separate the best from the rest. And, and the good news is it's habits. It's not traits. There's a, there's, a, there's a nuance there. If it's a trait, well, maybe I don't have that trait. Maybe I'm, what if one of the traits is they're all six foot four? Well, that doesn't help me. I'm Dutch. If, you know, we're short and built for wind, you know. <laughs> so or, or what if it's, uh, what, they all have an IQ of 170? Well, that doesn't help me either. But, but what we discovered in our research was, no, actually, these are interpersonal habits that when they're combined, they have a, it's almost like an alchemy. It's, it's magic. It makes someone into gold. And what we found about these 12 habits is individually, they're all habits that in varying degrees among individuals, the unicorns, we call them, the very best of the best, all seem to have like a default setting that pushes them toward practicing this habit. And all 12 of the habits are incredibly uncommon among the rest of us. And then finally, all 12 of the habits can be attainable by all of us with a little bit of work and discipline. And that just made me super excited. It's what turned... You know, I mentioned this is what began as a very selfish uh, project so that we could do our job better. But when we realized, oh, wow, we're not uncovering traits, we're uncovering teachable habits, we said, well, this, this is no longer a research project. This is a message we need to get out to people. Because I think right now it's harder than ever to stand out of the crowd. It's a noisy, noisy world. The workforce is crowded. There, there are five generations in the workforce for the first time in U.S. history. Um, they, uh, arguably, there's a sixth generation entering the workforce that is Gen AI, <laughs> not, not Gen X or Y or Z, but like artificial <laughs> intelligence. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a very real concern that a lot of people have, like, how am I going to stand out in this really noisy world? So we hope it's a message that will help people stand out, help them, you know, excel in whatever they're doing. And that, that could be as simple as just being a good human. Uh, it could be being a better parent. It could be standing out a job interview. So uh, hopefully it'll help everyone that's out there. If, if, you know, people often ask, what is the single most important of the 12 habits? I, I think that, you know, is somewhat of a loaded question. I think uh, 
it kind of depends on what you're trying to, to excel at. Like one of the one of the habits that we saw, we title it in the book, The Fast, and that is a little bit of a clickbait title. It, it should probably be the responsive because uh, it turns out we as humans are really terrible at getting back to people. We take forever. And, mm. and the noisiness of right. the Internet and social media and everything else has just made it harder and harder and harder. The unicorns are people who are almost obsessed with getting back to people quickly. Well, that's really, really, really important if you want to stand out as a top salesperson or a top marketing person. I don't know that responsiveness is the most important of the 12 if you're a chief compliance officer, if you're an accountant, you know. Um, so, so some of the which of the 12 habits is most important can only be answered when you figure out, well, what am I trying to stand out at? Uh, so, so that I'm sure sounds a little evasive to your question, but uh, the flip side, if, if it didn't matter what job, if it were like, what's the one that's sort of the keystone to the rest, I would say self-awareness. Uh, it it hmm. was interesting. We found our unicorns. We told them, hey, we've identified these 12 habits. We think you all have them. Would you mind taking a survey? And so we can learn what you think about these. Well, you asked the unicorns to force rank which habits they're best at and which are worst. They almost universally agreed that they were the worst at self-awareness. And, and then after we surveyed them, we found 250,000 other people we could survey to see, well, what is the general population feel about these things, and 93% of the general population said that they're above average at self-awareness. <laughs> Unicorns say it's the worst one. 93% of everybody thinks, oh, I'm good at that. And that just tells me this is a huge yeah. blind spot. And we live in a fantastic yeah. age for getting rid of that blind spot. And, and I would think if you can gain some self-awareness, some honest sense of who you really are, that's the keystone to developing all the other habits. Well, I love that. I, you know, I just want to brag a little bit about you, um, if that's okay, because I've become a quick fan. And in fact, I was listening to one of your podcasts about how during COVID you'd wish you had invested in Clorox. I feel the same. <laughs> but, but needless to say, <laughs> you know, hopefully Clorox will be a consistent performer. But let me read this by John Maxwell, because I think it's so powerful, William, and, and forgive me for bragging. In this book, my friend, William Vanderblumen, has not only studied successful people, he's unlocked the teachable habits they practice that make them successful. That means you. This isn't just a book of case studies. You're holding a manual for becoming unusually successful, as unusual as a mythical unicorn. It's a manual based on hard data that unlocks the way you can become mythical and mythically valuable, successful, and irreplaceable. He will teach you, as he puts it, how to become a unicorn. I love that quote by John Maxwell. So powerful and so simple, but yet so true. Thank you. I, I, that was totally unnecessary, but I appreciate it. And John's a, been a dear friend for a long time. He's taught me a ton of stuff over the years. Super. One of the things I just want to bring up um, is, you know, kind of, as you're looking at all of these wonderful attributes of, what is 30,000 people? 
that were in your study. Mm -hmm. Was there anything that stood out to you that was almost impossible to measure? Such a good question. I mean, no is the answer. Uh, Good. You know, because we kept really good notes for a long period of time and we're able to go back and look at these unicorns and say, what, if anything, do they have in common? And we go through our notes and we see where they've gone in their careers and how they've continued to rise and excel. You know, it was pretty clear. Here are 12 undeniable habits. There there were a few others that I'm not going to list that didn't, you know, make the cut. Uh, but uh, these were all pretty measurable. Most, you know, you might say, well, self-awareness is hard to measure. And it's, it's not that hard anymore. I mean, there are more online personality assessments and inventories you can take that you can, you can find out pretty quickly whether somebody's self-aware or not. But uh, fortunately, this very simple-looking list came out of a, a high procurement of data that made us all say, okay, this is this. the beauty of the study is we weren't expecting it or looking for it, but we found a pretty clear roadmap that is measurable. And and hopefully each chapter of the book does that. It's here's what we've learned, here's what we know, here's what you do in, in every chapter. Yeah. So, so William, the self-awareness, I think uh, – that's not surprising. I mean, especially from the EI world that, that Kathy and I uh, promote, you know, that's always starting with yourself. And it's also interesting what you're saying about, you know, many of us, you know, we always think we're better cookers, we're better uh, better cooks, drivers, lovers. We all think we're better uh, than we actually are. That's why the value of getting feedback from others. So uh, maybe share a couple other ones that really stood out. So we got, you talked about, uh, being fast, responsiveness, you talked about self-awareness. What else did you find? Well, I think that, uh, you know, the responsiveness I bring up mainly because I like it. <laughs> I'm kind of OCD about it. But uh, I also bring it up because it's an easy, easy fix. You know, the responsiveness, mm-hmm. so, well, of course I get back to people. Mm, probably not. Um, we studied sales and marketing tools. Like, how quickly do people respond when a lead comes in to their business? You know, responding within a minute of a lead coming in means you're almost certainly going to have another conversation, 98% likelihood. Waiting a day uh, means you're almost definitely not going to talk to the person again. You have a less than 1% chance of talking to that person again. The industry average for getting back to leads when they come in over the Internet is 42 hours, worse than 24 hours. So it's like, hey, if you really want to improve, this is not hard. Just get back to people really quick. We even studied, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the old website, eHarmony. You know, it's like the, oh, yeah. the OG of all the dating apps. I was on eHarmony for three years. Do I know eHarmony? Okay. <laughs> you know, so you get an email you get an email in your inbox that says, hey, we found a potential match, and da 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 The average response time was long periods of time. And this is a website full of people that are craving a good relationship. So just as a general rule, we don't get back to people. And if you want to separate yourself from the crowd, get back to people almost maniacally. Then you've got to build systems in where your kids don't hate you because you're always on your phone and that sort of thing. But, but in general... 
people just aren't very good at doing what is simple. And, and mm-hmm. I think people know what they need to do. It's like, I don't know if you guys have ever bought a piece of fitness equipment that ends up being a fabulous drying rack for clothes, you know, or a place to stack the laundry instead of work out. But uh, that, that's why I bring up the responsive or the fast is it's easy. You know, a, a little harder one is the anticipator. Uh, and this, the unicorns we studied as a whole were people who were thinking two or three steps ahead and a- providing an answer to a question that hasn't even been asked yet. And, and we go into the book, we go through clear steps toward improving that, but that one, that one's a little bit more work. That's a little harder thing to do. Mm-hmm. You I, I like that one because. No, go ahead. Yeah, I, I like that one that you're saying. Uh, because it goes back to what Kat, you and I talk about. We don't like to think long or hard. And so that's hard to go ahead and think uh, what's going to happen a year from now. What's going to happen uh, six months from now? Uh, who's going to be impacted? These are hard thinking questions. And, and we know from Daniel Kahneman this, what, what we call slow thinking, which is that anticipation that you're saying, William. We don't like to do it. He mm-hmm. has quotes that we only do it. You know, 2% or another one I've seen is 5%, meaning we hardly ever do it. And so that could be, a, that sounds like what you're finding is a unicorn. How do we do some of that thinking that typically we don't? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think uh, what the unicorns seem to always do is almost, you remember the old Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? It's almost... The very first habit was uh, begin with the end in mind. And it's like the unicorns are thinking, okay, if we get to the end zone, what does that look like? And how do I work backwards from there to answer the next three steps? Or or a simpler way of saying it, if you ask Tiger Woods where he wants to hit his tee shot on a long par five, he's going to say, well, where's the pin? And then you're you're like, yeah, but this whole turns to the right, and it's going to be three shots before you get to the green. What do you care about that? He said, well, where the pin is determines where I want to hit my third shot from, which determines where I want to hit my second shot from, which determines where I want to aim my drive. Very few people think that way. It, it's not a, a, an impossible switch to flip, but it, it requires a little more intention and a little more work. And, and unfortunately, the unicorns gave us amazing tips for sharpening these skills that we were able to put in the book. Direct interviews from people that score very high to say, what do you do to get better at this? No, as you were talking, from, um, go ahead, Kat. Yeah, no, I was going to say as you were talking, William, about um, some of these needs for this fast discernment. Uh, there are two things that popped up, and one is many companies right now that are doing online sales that are putting all of their investments <clears throat> into smart young people who they are hiring and being paid very well and being trained very well to do these uh, high-powered sales. And these are for very uh, prominent companies, and I'm not going to mention any of them, but they're very well-known. And they're having extreme difficulty closing deals because there is a lack of what we would call human connection and relationship skills. They're following a process. So we're going to go to a quick break, and I'd like to come back 
to that thought process because I think one of the unique qualities of anybody closing to the basically the the story you just shared about how a successful person looks at the you know and the the future and anticipates what needs to happen versus using instinct. People aren't looking at the candidates that they're bringing in to do these jobs from a relationship base. They're looking at them from a raw set of behaviors that they think they can enable them to use. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Come right back. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Icy Tech. Like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. IC Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. IC Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with William Vanderblumen, a top performer in recruiting. And during the break, William, we were talking about some of the 
dichotomy of someone may be really good at one thing, um, but they may not have the skills for the new job. They may get hired for something that they did well before. Maybe speak to that in any of the um, 12 habits that you talk about and, and how, you know, how do you screen that person out <clears throat> for the requirements of the current job? Yeah, I, I uh, this is such a good question and it's such a needed skill. Uh, really, you, you, I play a fair amount of golf and I used to be pretty good. And uh, back uh-huh. when I played a lot and I was good, and it was back in a previous career as a pastor, I was amazed how if I hit the ball 310 off the tee, all of a sudden everybody wanted to talk about their spiritual life. It, it was amazing. <laughs> like, they're so enthralled with my ability to hit the golf ball, they assume then that they need to talk to me about what I do for a living. Yeah. And, and the flip of that is sometimes I think people who are interviewing – um, get enthralled with some particular success a person's had. Maybe they've been a, a Navy SEAL we talked about during the break. Maybe they've been an Olympic athlete. Maybe they've played Division One ball. And they assume if they were good enough to excel at that, yeah. then they're good enough to excel at what we're doing. Well, maybe, but, but kind of back to the previous segment of the show, it's not just on people who are doing an interview to be self-aware about their strengths. It's, it's incumbent on employers to be self-aware about what do we need in a skill set that will work for this particular job with our particular culture, and then interview for that. And if it just so happens that your Navy SEAL Division One ball player fits that level of self-awareness, oh, this they, they did excel in becoming a Navy SEAL, and their skills and their wiring match the kind of thing we need in this job, and that's fantastic. But I, I think people... I don't know. I think everyone gets a little nervous when they're hiring because it's a venture into the unknown. And if you mess it up, it's really, really painful. That's kind of why we exist. The most expensive hire you can make is hiring the wrong person, right? So, you know, people get get nervous. So they look for something they view as a certainty in what's a very uncertain exercise, hiring. And maybe the certainty is, well, they played college football at my alma mater, so they must be good. Or they did this, so they must be good. Or they did that, so they... No, 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 no. That's a fun place to start the conversation, but you've got to learn what is my workplace culture as an employer? What needs to get done for this job? Does this candidate check those boxes? And then if you get the land yap of they're really proficient at some very hard-to-do thing like being a Navy SEAL, then that's great. But it, it just requires a little more work. I, I think the number one mistake in human resources, and this is not, I'm not, I am no, in no way the first to say this, but people hire too quickly and they fire too slowly. And, you know, or, or a nicer way to say it is you, should, you need to have long hellos and short goodbyes. But don't get so entranced with someone's success in one area that you mistake it for um, a predictor of success in whatever you need on your team. So well said, William. And I think one of the things that we're getting ourselves into without really understanding the power of it um, is AI. And I, I would be remiss if we let you go before we talk a little bit about that and how we're interviewing candidates uh, using AI. And one of the things that you and I both know and really knows too well is there is an essential component 
of chemistry, not bias, but chemistry, that you need to spot in one's ability to fit into your culture, to fit in with your people, to be able to team well, whether it's a hybrid environment uh, or a remote environment. And there are so many great software packages out there now that help you create a feeling of connectedness in a remote team or a hybrid team. But AI um, is a great innovation. I use it. I have an avatar. And in fact, one of the things I can do now is I can coach using my avatar, which frees me up to go get a job, right? And I know that sounds odd, but um, that's how we're going to be using it very soon, especially in, in the law enforcement community. That AI, you talk about it not as an uh, apocalypse, but as an opportunity to evolve. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, I am uh, I'm just hopelessly optimistic. I, you know, I, this glass of water that I've been drinking for the last 50 minutes is still at least half full. It's got to be, right? <laughs> so I, I, maybe I err on the side of being seeing things in abundance rather than scarcity. But, but when I look at human history, there's a very constant theme of we invent some efficiency for work. The invention eliminates a whole lot of jobs. And the invention also creates a whole lot of new jobs. So I think there's a lot of fear out there around AI. And I guess, you know, maybe we are in the prequel to the Terminator, you know, where computers take over and humans are irrelevant and they wipe us all out. If that's going to happen, then I don't know why you'd lose any sleep over it anyway. I mean, it's kind of done, right? (laughs) So, so, you know, enjoy your time together as a family and (laughs) welcome to the end. I don't think that's where we are. I think it's much more of a how do we take the current, um, what appears to not be a flash in the pan, but a very real, innovation and disruption. And so well, what can we do now on the front end to get better at that and, and recognize the limitations? I, I am an early adopter on technology. I want to use AI as much as I can. It's still pretty dang sloppy. It's not, I would not entrust like, like writing copy for a job description. Maybe I'd let it give me a little bit of material, but then I'm going to insist that we go back and humanize it. And I think what we found in these 12 habits that's so cool is every one of the 12 habits is a habit that a computer cannot replicate. Not at all. There's no, there is no AI without EI. We say that all the time. That's right. I'm feeling that, but you know, can a computer give a fast response? Yes. But can it give a fast personalized humanized response? No, at least not yet. You know, so every one of these habits is how humans are treating other humans. And as we move into a world where a whole lot of, depending on who you believe, 10 to 30 percent of all jobs are going to get eliminated and new ones will pop up. As that starts to happen, we're dealing with AI more and more. I think the hunger inside humans to have human to human interactions is only going to grow. So if you master these 12 habits, which really, frankly, teach you how to intentionally and reliably treat other humans, you're going to stand out in the crowd all the more. So I love the use of AI, but I think, man, you study these 12 habits, you're going to have a a head start on everyone on getting ahead in a world where we're working alongside AI. Love it. So we have 
very very well uh, stated. You know, I think the AI is, is uh, exciting, but also scary for folks. Um, one of the things that I think is, I, I want to hear from you because it's, it's so well researched. What is the cost an organization for a bad hire? And I know it kind of depends on yeah. the position, but like, well, what are, what yeah, are some of the stats that, yeah. that you have? A lot. That's the short answer. Uh, the longer answer is we actually built an algorithm for this. If you go to badhirecalculator.com, like badhire, H-I-R-E, calculator.com, you can enter some, here's the specifics of the job, and it'll spit out an answer. The general general rule of thumb, the higher on the org chart the person is, the more expensive it is to replace them as a multiple of salary. You know, if you lose a, a, a person that's working in the mailroom, okay, you can probably go find somebody that can work in the mailroom again pretty quickly. If you lose the head of your back-end coding for your website, it's going to take a while to find that person. So the higher up the org chart, the, the more costly the replacement is. As you get into, we really focus on sort of senior management and above jobs, just because that's what we found we're better at. Um, those jobs, it, it can be as high as 3x the annual salary, which sounds crazy, but you start adding okay. in soft costs of, lost momentum, uh, human labor hours to work on the replacement. It, it, it gets expensive really fast. Yeah, that's great. Because I was wondering about that. I mean, I knew about 1.5 or 2, but so you're saying as high as 3, which is great to, great to hear. And then the impetus for your book and, and for these habits. So say a little bit more yeah, because we're going to be winding down. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to give out the website, which is HTTPS, www.vanderblumen.com. And that's V-A-N-D-E-R-B-L-O-E-M-E-N. And obviously, Become a Unicorn is a super, super read. I've been enjoying it. It's been delightful, and the time has gone past way too fast. But thank you so much, William, for your time today. Thank you. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Kathy and Riley. It's great to be with you. I hope to visit with you again sometime. Well, thank you, William. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices for Top Performers, helping you tune up to tune in and tune up your performance. So we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.